Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. I am Heather Caro, and thank you for joining me for Real Presence Live this morning. We're broadcasting from the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, we had a great night last night. We had our Sioux Falls banquet with Dr. Ray Garendi and fantastic, funny, entertaining. What a breath of fresh air. <laughs> we all needed a little bit of a break. So thanks to all those that showed up last night. And we look forward to our Aberdeen one tomorrow. And we've actually got... Good morning! <laughs> Joe's here. How we doing, Heather? Good. I was just getting started. How are you? I was listening to you, and I thought, oh, I'm 15 seconds late. You are I so close. almost made it. You almost made it. You had a Catholic men's business fraternity meeting. Right, How right. did that go? Well, great. We had this unbelievable speaker this morning for our I would quarterly agree. men's breakfast uh, his name is Mark Holcraft. Do you know him? <laughs> Might know him. <laughs> yeah, Mark, the new executive director for Real Presence Radio. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, good. Great, great morning. So let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. We're going to start with a little prayer. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Good morning, God. You are ushering in another day, untouched and freshly new. So here I am to ask you, God, if you'll renew me too. Forgive the many errors that I made yesterday, and let me try again, dear God, to walk closer in your way. But, Lord, I am well aware I can't make it on my own, so take my hand and hold it tight, for I cannot walk alone. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So, I was just telling people about the banquet and what a great evening we had, and we missed you, Joe. I know, I know. We'll chat about that in the second half hour. Oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Where was Joe? Where in the world was Joe? <laughs> All right, so we're heading off to Michael Kapperman. Father Michael Kapperman, good morning. Good morning. How are How you? Are ya? Good. How's it going up in Aberdeen? Oh, it's going great. We're uh, blessed. I was just talking with... Um, a guy that helps us around the parish, how blessed we are that we haven't had a foot of snow yet. I know. You must be talking about Jeff? No, uh, he's <laughs> a young man that's been helping Jeff. Oh, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> yeah, he loves to ride his bike, and so he's, he's been loving this weather. Oh, I bet. I yeah, bet. we had a couple snowstorms already, though, but uh, oh. so, feels more like September right now. I know. It's like we're getting the fall we didn't get. Right. <laughs> a little bit late, but we'll take it. I'll take it either way. So, Father Michael Kapperman, thanks for joining us today. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. How you? Um, how long have you been a priest? I've been a priest actually uh, six months and two days, I believe. On on Sunday, oh, three days, because on Sunday, uh, this past Sunday was my six month anniversary of ordination. So, I'm recently ordained. I'm a baby priest, is what they call it. Uh, <laughs> a, a young buck. <laughs> young. Buck. A young buck, absolutely. <laughs> 
It's the official terminology. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. right. Yep, yep. So how's it been going? It's been wonderful. I've loved uh, the parish life. I loved Aberdeen. Um, being a priest is just such a uh, blessing in many ways, um, getting to be with the people. And it's weird because this was my first time in 24 years not going back to school. And so oh, it was like a wow. whole new fall for me. I could actually enjoy it and not be, you know, inside for eight hours a day. Wow. Do you ever wake up and feel like you're forgetting something? <laughs> there is this like, <laughs> perpetual fear that one day I'll be, uh, I'll wake up and I'll have to go back to school. So. <laughs> <laughs> so share with us a little bit about your journey to the priesthood. Everyone likes to hear your vocation stories. Yes, absolutely. So. Um, I was born and raised just west of Sioux Falls in a small town called Hartford. Um, my parents were farmers, and I had three brothers, and so we were a rambunctious bunch. Um, it was a huge blessing, just a wonderful life. Uh, I was blessed to get to live near my uh, grandparents and got to spend a lot of time with families and cousins. Most of my Sunday mornings were a wonderful, just family time. We would all go over to Grandma's house after Mass, and she would just cook pancakes for hours on end. <laughs> and so we would just sit, sit around with uh, my cousins, and there was only, like, eight spots at the table, but there was, like, 30 cousins and aunts and uncles, and so oh, wow. we would just rotate. So some people would be eating, other people would be playing cards, somebody would be making somebody else cry. It was, it was a fun <laughs> adventure. Yeah, I bet that uh, pancakes are like that, aren't they? You just kind of just, just keep, keep going. going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I always absolutely. revel in those families that bring the nice stack to the table. I'm like, half of mine are all like 15 different sizes, burnt, undone. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so yep. I'm not the greatest cook, but yeah, sorry. And uh, typically there's no batter left over. <laughs> like you just make them until the batter's gone and... If you uh, weren't fast enough, quick enough, or on the spot, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. You're, you're, ba- you're bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so your vocation, I mean, yeah, your vocation story. So you have a deep uh, kind of local family faith, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tradition going there. Did you grow up practicing the faith? I did. Um, although around middle school and high school, I started to stop see my, stop seeing my fundamental relationship with God and my family. And started to just live out of this lie that I have to um, do things to be loved. I have to be, you know, class clown or the best sports athlete. And so my life slowly shifted from this uh, sense of gratitude uh, towards such a loving family to um, constantly worried about, like, how I appear in front of others. And so I found myself just wanting to be the best at sports and wanting to be the best class clown and um, really just started to fall away from the Lord. And then kind of the um, the climax of my yeah my falling away from the Lord is um, uh, when I got to college. So in college, I was playing college football and just living the typical college sports life, um, living life of vanity and uh, really turning away from the Lord and rarely going to Mass. I'd only go to Mass when I was back home with my parents, um, and this kind of hit the climax my junior year, where I, football was no longer satisfying me. There was just this loss of the joy of football, and so I quit football to pick up full-time partying. Oh, uh, nice. how I call it. <laughs> I was like, clearly partying will, uh, you know, satisfy the, the yearning heart. Um, but God in His mercy allowed, I always say this, God in His mercy allowed me to get a house party uh, busted. 
Mm. So in his mercy, he allowed me to actually get in trouble with the law. Because um, there was a moment where I was just uh, slapped upside the head, so to speak. And I recognized that the life I was living did not correspond at all to the life that I lived growing up. That this family of virtues, this family of love, this family that was rooted around Christ on Sunday mornings, I was not living anything close to that at college. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a huge blessing to from the Lord to have that wake-up call um, with that house party getting busted. And so I started asking the questions like, what, what am I made for? Where am I going? Like, am I living a virtuous life? And in the midst of uh, asking these questions, a buddy of mine invited me to go to the Newman Center. And how he got me there was they were having free food, and I love to eat. It's like, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll go to the Newman Center for that. Um, yeah. And then there I found uh, people who were searching for the Lord. I found people that were asking questions, of like, what, what's this life made for? Who are we made for? Um, and for the first time, I really could hear the gospel, because I was convicted of my sin through the house party getting busted, that I could actually understand the Lord's offering of forgiveness. Um, and so I went back to confession for the first time in a long time. And then over the course of a couple months, I really just wanted to give my life to the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want me to be your disciple? Um, and the Lord placed on my heart uh, the idea of priesthood, which was hmm. the last thing on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, That was a shot from left field. Um, but I found that as I kept saying, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll pray with this, I'll ponder this, I found that actually was the fulfillment of one of my desires. So I went to college to become a teacher because I wanted to work with students and work especially with those that kind of fall through the cracks. Mm. And I found that in the priesthood, I, uh, in, the, in teaching, I would be helping others, but in the priesthood, I'd actually get to share the mercy of the Lord to everyone. And there's just this real fulfillment of this desire that was already beginning with the idea of teaching. Um, so, so I saw that this priesthood wasn't... Um, separate from my original desire to be a teacher, but was the fulfillment of it. So I said yes to the Lord to going to seminary, and six years later, I, the Bishop uh, DeGrude laid hands on me, and here I am six, six months after that. You uh, must be happy. <laughs> yeah, there's a deep sense of joy, um, just a recognition of the fulfillment of my heart's longing has been realized in the priesthood. That this mm. desire I had to give of myself in teaching is now fulfilled in this life as a priest. Right. And so for listeners out there, you come from a broad range of educational backgrounds. Uh, Aristotle kind of popularizes this idea of happiness, but not in a modern sense, but in a classical sense as fulfillment. Mm. And when, when, we're, when we achieve our fulfillment, we find an interior space, a, 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 a a movement of our heart that is satisfying, right? And so this is the happiness that that classically we speak of. And it's more of a fulfillment, a beatitude, a blessing, a joy, you know, and it's, ex- mm-hmm. it's expressed in peace and, mm-hmm. and those types of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, so I just listen to you tell your story and I say, boy, this, this guy's happy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, you must be, you, 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 and so just to hear you find your fulfillment in your vocation and yet realize how abundantly magnificent our father in heaven is because he lets you also be a teacher, right? But mm-hmm. now you're not confined to 
the four rooms of uh, Hartford High School, but mm-hmm. now you get a or or to the to the you know the football field, or but now right. you get to be a teacher in all areas of life as you walk with and minister with people. That's fantastic. Absolutely, I think you hit the hit the nail on the head, and yeah, you know, just hearing that it actually summarizes that experience in college where although I was surrounded by a lot of people and I had lots of fun, um, but there wasn't, I was never happy. I had fun, but I never was like truly at peace, at rest. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was only when I um, felt the call to the priesthood and then continuing on now in the priesthood of actually being just this deep abiding sense of joy and peace. You know, that's interesting. I'm, I'm sure you can share with us some of the challenges of seminary life. You know, you, it's so fresh to you. I did four years. If you, I don't know if you, my, I discerned out after my undergraduate. So I did four years in. And the one thing I look back now on is I think, you know what? The, the, the life of a seminarian corresponds, <laughs> corresponds very little actually, in my experience, to the life of a diocesan priest. Hmm. You're living with a hundred other men. (laughs) You have the most magnificent chant and prayer in unison with these guys on a daily basis. You have other people looking after you and over you and walking with you in formation. Sure. Um, Everything's organized for you. You have... And then you get ordained, get ordained, and they just send you out into the wild, and it's like, here you go. You're all by yourself. I hope the mold sticks. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your challenges in seminary, Father? As we get close to a break here, was there something that you look back at seminary and you're like, you know what, that was that was difficult. I'm glad I don't have to kind of deal with that element to seminary anymore. Yeah, the hardest part was so I had this desire to share the mercy of the Lord with others this desire to be this missionary disciple. And so then I go um, to the vocation director and say, I want to be a priest. And he's like, great. Now you're going to move to another state, and you're going to spend six years there before you come back and minister to these people. It's like, what? What? I want to be a missionary. I want to share the love of Jesus Christ, and now i got to leave these people and go six hours away, live in a different place, and just study? It seems so opposite of my heart's desire. Maybe we need a diocesan seminary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Father Kapperman, and when we come back, we're going to have more uh, discussing how your first six months have gone. We're broadcasting from the Mustard Seed Catholic Star, so you'll hear my mother in the background. <laughs> right. You got shoppers. And... And shoppers. It's almost, it's almost Advent. So, you know what it, it is? It is Advent. Advent. Sorry, folks. It's Advent. Day three, four. Yeah. Yep. So, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Rock on. <laughs> Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with an end-of-year gift planning tip. With the end of the year approaching, a charitable gift can help you support our mission and receive tax benefits. In addition to gifts of cash, here is a gift strategy worth considering. Gifts of appreciated assets such as securities or real estate are an excellent way for you to help our cause. Securities may be transferred directly to us, while real estate is transferred through a deed. 
These gifts will not affect your cash flow, and they provide the following tax benefits. A charitable deduction to help you save on taxes, a bypass of federal and state capital gains taxes, and an avoidance of tax on net investment income. To learn more about these strategies and the benefits of making an end-of-year gift, please call or visit our website today at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Joe Rutten. And we're broadcasting today from the Mustard Seed Catholic Store in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're having a great conversation with Father Michael Kapperman. He's new to the priesthood, about six months, and he's a diocesan priest here in eastern South Dakota. And you are currently in Aberdeen at Sacred Heart, right? Correct. All right. And Father, Father, uh, our intro said that we are supposed to be sharing inspirational and uplifting stories. So I hope, (laughs) Father Kapperman, that we've got more than the doldrums of seminary life to talk about. Tell us about your ordination. It had to have been like, you know, for me, I got married, and I'm like, wow, I wish I could do it again today. (laughs) Like, my wedding was amazing, right? Tell me about your ordination experience. uh, This year was a unique year uh, with COVID um, that... In a lot of ways, it brought a lot of blessings, even though it brought a lot more stresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, I think, is across the board with weddings and um, anybody that's having a big celebration that there was this tremendous stress uh, with COVID because it's like invite lists are significantly smaller. Um, there's a lot of restrictions. We've got to adjust a lot of things on the fly. And then also there's the reality that it might be the day of, and then Bishop DeGroote gets COVID, and then it's 14 days later um, mm-hmm. before we before we can do the ordination. So there was just this fragility about the um, ordination uh, that wasn't there in years past because as a seminarian, I'm partook in a lot of ordinations and served and um, been present. Um, so this year, there was just this fragility about it. But in a beautiful way, this um, brought about a greater clarity of what was going on. But in, if for some reason we could only have 10 people there, that's perfectly fine because the essence of the right is the bishop laying hands on willing men? Um, do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you ahead. think? Do you think 
like Andrew and John argued about you know the music at their ordination. Or, like, they're like, you know what? No, you go first. No, I want to be the first one ordained. Jesus, here's the deal. Let us tell. Yep. This is how this is going to work. We've got it all scheduled. <laughs> Absolutely. You know when you it it must really have prepared you in a sense. Um, in you know you're a tremendously holy and formed young man. I can tell. Uh, but prepared you for the idea that you're seeking God's will, not your will, right? Like, mm. whatever it is that you want here, Lord, let's do it. Mm. And if it's Absolutely. pared down, if it's stripped down, if it's not, if it's, uh, you know, there's a little anxiety in the mix of it, if it's a smaller crowd, w- Lord, what is your will? Tell me about that discernment of seeking God's will in the midst of those circumstances. Absolutely. Um so just over the course of seminary, you have many moments of retreat and prayer, and there just becomes this great uh, solidification of your vocation, that there's this real sense of, I am called to the priesthood, not because of my will, but because of the Lord's will, that you, Lord, you, my brother, you, my friend, have chosen me. And so wherever you want to lead, Lord, I'll go. And so when it comes to the ordination, it became this real sense of, all right, Lord, you want me to be a priest. And so you got to make this happen. Um, whether it's on May 29th, like we planned a year ago before COVID, or if it has to keep getting pushed off because of whatever circumstances, that you, Lord, have chosen me, that you, Lord, have planned this. And so whatever it may be, um, I surrender to your will. And it just brought this great peace, this great joy, this great comfort of, actually, I can just rejoice in this day because I've been chosen by the Lord. So at your ordination, um, usually I ask new priests what was the most profound thing during their ordination. Um, can you think of the most profound moment of that day? Oh, um, both ordinations and even ordinations that I went to, one of the most profound moments is the moment where uh, the calling of the, uh, those elect for the priesthood. Mm. Um, because the bishop asked the question, uh, do you know them to be worthy? And the vocation director usually will respond, after inquiry among the Christian people, uh, we have found this man to be worthy. And this real attestation by the community and in our particular eastern diocese, like the eastern half of South Dakota, the diocese of Sioux Falls, to know that the people of God in that moment were affirming me that they're like, we want this brother to be chosen for the priesthood, like we want this man. And then knowing... This is, I love it, I love it, I love it. One of your brothers didn't, like, jump up and shout, like, no, no, no. No, you, you can't quite see it on the film, but I had duct taped my brother's mouth shut. <laughs> I love it. What a humbling, what a humbling place to be in. Absolutely. It just, I mean, to have that many people, and especially it's all these people that have, uh, come in a lot of ways for you, uh, that they're, they're your friends, they're your relatives, and to hear them all say, mm. uh, yes, Michael, you are worthy. We want oh. you to be a priest. Right, right. Did you have, when you received your call, when you kind of discerned, thought, you know what, I think I'm called to this priesthood thing. Oh, no. <laughs> right? When you did the put your head in your hands and you're like, really? You've done that, Are Joe? you sure? <laughs> yeah, I can tell. And, um the response from different people in your life, you know, my experience is that my family was great and awesome and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. 
I, I found it interesting how certain other friends or acquaintances in my life reacted. Tell me a little bit about the reaction yeah. to some of those other people in your life. Maybe some of the, the friends that were athletes, your high school buddies, or maybe your college football teammates, or maybe some old girlfriends or people. Did they say, oh, yeah, we knew it the whole time. We just were waiting for you to figure it out. Or hmm. was there a respect or kind of like a shock and awe? Or what was their response? Uh, a lot of them just said, yeah, we could see it coming. <laughs> uh, let's see, it was my junior year, the fall of my junior year, that the house party got busted. And it was the following fall, so a year later was when I told all my uh, college uh, buddies. And I still had lived with those uh, buddies that we got a house party busted with. Um, and I just shared with them, hey, I think I'm going to join the seminary next year. And they're oh. like, oh, we could see it coming. That's <laughs> awesome. So it became this real sense of, yeah, this is fitting for you. Like, we can see the trajectory that you're on, and uh, we're grateful to be a part of it in a small way. And um, wow. even to this wow. day, a lot, a lot of my uh, college buddies and high school buddies I see regularly, and um, there's this real sense of uh, recognition that we have a, a past together, and yet the Lord is providing for our future. Um, wow, so there's this great beautiful. sense of camaraderie. Even though not all of them are Catholic, not all of them are uh, right. even uh, Christian, but that they still just recognize, yeah, this is the path the Lord has set you on. You know, you just never know. Uh, Mark Holcraft, the new executive director for Real Presence Radio, spoke this morning at the uh, in Sioux Falls at an event I was at, and he shared his family story. And I was amazed at the ability, I don't know why I should be, but of the Holy Spirit <laughs> to work on his brothers and sisters at different periods in time in their hearts mm-hmm. uh, and bring about conversion in some of their lives over a period of time at an hour that, you know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with friends, family, teammates, other people that, you know, we live our life as a witness and you just never know how that's going to impact mm-hmm. them or who it is that takes that seed of witness with them mm-hmm. that we won't know about until, you know, the, the fulfillment right. of the kingdom, right? right. In, the, in the end time. So this is fantastic. Well, Father, I know that, you know, as we kind of wrap up here this first half hour, I, I do have to give my sincere sorrow. I, I apologize. I spoke with the bishop. I was trying to get you a better assignment than being <laughs> stuck with Father Dickinson. Um, I, I, you know, I wasn't able to pull any strings, so he said, yeah. "Nope, Joe, it's the last place we have. Father Dickinson's going to have to do." Uh, <laughs> Uh, how, how, how's, how's the fr- camaraderie of the priesthood? How's that fraternity and that fellowship been for you in the first six months as you enter into this new uh, vocation of living out your uh, time with your brother priests? Absolutely. Um, I think it's summed up in that word, uh, brother, that there's this real sense of when you enter into the priesthood, you've been given a new brotherhood. And so just in many ways, your relationship with these men that had been your father, um, your spiritual father in many ways, now has shifted into being a brother, which is just a unique but such a huge blessing. So in particular here in Aberdeen at the rectory, Father Andrew is an amazing cook. And so he's been teaching me how to cook over the last few months, which has just been a huge blessing. I've elevated myself from, you know, the Kraft mac and cheese which is wonderful, uh, to actually making some real food. So <laughs> it's been wonderful just to be able to um, uh, learn cooking in that way through a brother priest and allow him to teach me 
um, to be an uh, older brother uh, to me. And then also in ministry, since he's my pastor, there's a lot of ways where he's been showing me um, just how does a priest relate to his people and relate to the given circumstances that he finds himself in. So thinking about the first six months, what have been some of your favorite things about being a priest and what have been some of your struggles? Yeah, the, um, the answer, I, uh, there's one answer that uh, answers both of those questions, and it's this idea of fatherhood. That in a new way as a priest and being in a parish, I'm called father. And that brings tremendous joys and that brings tremendous sorrows. I mean, uh, Joe, you have your own children that being a father is the greatest of blessings, but sometimes is the hardest of crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's moments where I have to correct my children. I have to go to, I have to stand in circumstances that I can't run away from because I'm a father. Like, these are my children. I can't abandon my children. And so there's moments of real struggle, but then there's moments of tremendous joy to see your children turning to the Lord, um, your children embracing uh, the very thing that gives you gives us life has been the tremendous joy. So yeah, I think that answer, that question is answered in the word fatherhood. Wow, that is so profound and so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fatherhood's. Uh, yeah, you know, every time I see Bishop DeGrude, he's always speaking about the father's love to me. <laughs> like makes me a little uncomfortable, Bishop. Like, come on, you know, he's like it looks in my soul or something. You know, do you know the Father loves you? And you're like, oh. um, yeah. But uh, you know, isn't that really at the heart of this whole endeavor? Is is love, right? That deep and abiding presence of a Creator God that brought all of this into existence, and yet in the middle of it all created us with such special dignity and nobility and in presence and he wants to be present to us and that for me is the great mystery of my day really Mm. is how can i be present to the father's love and i often find that it's by being at service to his other brothers and sisters Mm. his, his other children my brothers and sisters and if we live a life of service in christ that we find this deeper fulfillment that gets us out of our selfish selves yeah and out of our broken selves, and we find this fraternity and brotherhood and sisterhood in relationship with others by experiencing the Father's love as a family. Beautiful. Father Kapperman, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yes, this was a huge blessing. I loved it. I, it was good. It was good. And we will continue to pray for you and your priesthood. Thank you so much. I hope that I provided at least one of those three things. I don't know if it was inspiring or... Inspiring and uplifting, uh, Father. You did her. You did it. Check both boxes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Father Kapperman. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's going to be Joe and Heather. We're going to have banter time. We'll see what Joe comes up with. (laughs) We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. Stay tuned. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 